So Pat, I got I got to ask. Um, you do music and you do comedy. Correct. Do you have a preference uh, between music and comedy? Yeah. Is that what you're trying to ask me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, they're about the same. Hey, man! Welcome to the Badam Ching with Carl. What's up, guys? This is CR3, and welcome back to the Badumching with Carl, episode two. For all my people that listened to episode one, really appreciate that, man. If this is your first time joining us, I really appreciate that, man, too. <laughs> so if this is your first time, let me give you the little lowdown on what this podcast is about. It's basically me sitting down with comics that do other forms of art. And just briefly about myself, uh, I'm a drummer. I grew up as a band nerd. Um, studied for a long time, played in several bands. And then about two years ago, I started doing stand-up comedy. And once I started doing that, in addition with music, it kind of helped round out my life. you know. Whereas before, I think I was always trying to fill that void with like a bad relationship. <laughs> So now I guess my new bad relationship is comedy. So let's jump right into it, man. Episode two, Patrick Devine. Patrick Devine is a Nashville comedian. He is a musician, multi-talented, plays several instruments, and he's a good friend of mine, man. I think we had a good conversation, and I think it shows. So without further ado, man, Patrick Devine. Here we go. I think it's good that when they were naming birds, they went with woodpecker. Because I heard their only other option was rubber vagina. <laughs> woodpecker, rubber vagina. And that's good because I hear if you rubber vagina, you'll just wind up with a woodpecker anyway. So cut out the middleman. Nonsense. <laughs> Economy, shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, suck my dick. Patrick Devine. Good Lord, I can't believe you're in my house, man. I had a, they call that a clam when you hit a bad note. They call that a bomb that when you hit a, a bad joke. Yeah, I didn't know which chord I was supposed to hit, you know. I heard you coughing in there earlier, that's why I didn't come in. Hell yeah. You're not wearing a mask, you're not wearing a shirt. No. This is weird times, man. No, I lick the outside of my mask and then blow hard out of my mask. You want to smell my mask? I'm just kidding. I'm not wearing a mask either, man. (laughs) This is the COVID uh, podcast. I like it when you're putting on your mask and they're like, I keep it in my car and there's like, my cat's been in my car before, so cat hair will get on stuff and like you put it on and you're like, oh God, now there's a cat hair in my mouth. I get the same thing with my mustache. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. Let's talk about you, man. Mm. How have you been since this this stretch of 
COVID. It's been rough, you know. Used to, I used to going out and doing creative stuff like every night of the week, you know. Mm-hmm. And now, I don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. I've written a lot of jokes, but I was telling you earlier, I got like 600 jokes I need to try out <laughs> when I get back. <laughs> you could try them on my show, man. Uh, you know? No, it's all right. The bomb spectacular, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, let, let's, let's jump right into it, man. You, you mentioned comedy. Uh, we got to know, man, like, when did that start for you? Comedy? As a young child, I was prone to giggles and just from there it just you know took off i started doing stand-up like almost six years ago Mm -hmm. i started doing stand-up almost seven years ago i did it two times and the first time i did it at the high watt gary fletcher had a mic there Mm -hmm. he was he was a one a very funny man not anymore he's not funny anymore r.i.p yeah Yeah, r.i.p but uh, I did it, and then that it w- went pretty well. I was expecting to get just groans the whole time, and I got a couple laughs. And then the next night, I did Sean Parrott's mic at uh, Springwater, mm-hmm. and there was a drunk guy who heckled me, and he was just loud through my set. He wasn't like mean heckler, but I heard him at one point go, "That's just like in living color." <laughs> <laughs> but I think he said like in living cover or something. He was like really drunk. And I was like, man, this sucks. I don't know, this is really negative, this comedy stand-up thing. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do stand-up for like an entire year. And then I started started again like almost six years ago. And Why did you, you, you decide to come back? Like what, what triggered that? Uh, I think the whole year I was writing jokes. So when I started, I would have like a new... I was doing like one mic a week, and I would have a new four minutes every week for like... It was, I was writing at the time still, so like six months in, I would have a new four minutes in, you know, garbage mostly. But Sure. Well, didn't we all? Yeah. You know. And in the beginning, it's like you're, I think you're able to write a lot more because you're thinking back, at least for me, like, oh, there was something I said five years ago that might be funny. And I just remember, you know, saying something and I'll write it down at work or something like that. So but it comes a little slower now, I think. Usually does, I think, yeah. you know. Like when I did my first uh, set at East Room and Josh Wagner was uh, hosting, afterwards uh, he came up to me. He's like, you got laughs, don't get used to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll never forget that, you know, like sound advice, you know. Yeah, and, you've and, never gotten a laugh since. Yeah, that's true. So thanks, yeah, Josh, for advice. that great advice, yeah. you know. And Hashtag Josh Wagner. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. You know, they, they uh, uh, everybody talks about it when you start right all your friends come up to you the non-comics you know and they're like man it just takes a lot of guts to get up there it takes a lot of balls i heard that a lot it takes yeah. a lot of balls to go get up on that stage so i was like no it doesn't man i was like you know what takes balls is going back and i think once you go back the second time that's where the balls start okay i think you know it's just for me it would have been the third just, time that's true. Because after the second time, I was like... You said F this. Oh, this is not nice. <laughs> you guys are mean. <laughs> well, am I going to have to tell him to like... I'm not going to come to his job and knock things out of his mouth? That's right. Do it, is that how I have to respond to people now? No, thanks. Is it because you bombed? Is that what it was? I think I, I didn't do well. I can't remember if I did it three times. I don't remember. Now I can't remember nothing. Don't remember nothing. Yeah. But I remember taking a whole year off 
because he was drunk and mean. In living color. In living color. What are you talking about? I wrote that joke. <laughs> he thought you were Jim Carrey. Or something, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe he was just talking about something else. So, like, you, Patrick, you have a very uh, distinct style as far as, like, obviously, with your one-liners is one thing. But I love the, the physical uh, prop that you use, which is the note cards. I do, yeah. You know, and that becomes, like, part of the whole visual stick. You know, mm-hmm. um, did, did that start from the beginning or? Yeah, I write all my jokes on note cards. And before I started writing jokes, I watched some documentary with Joan Rivers. Not about, not specifically about Joan Rivers. Maybe it was an interview or something. But it said that she had written, she had filing cabinets full of jokes and they were all written on note cards. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, that's a pretty good way to write down jokes. Because if you're writing down in a notebook and you are editing the joke and you're like writing different versions of the joke, that gets really messy. And if you mess up something, maybe you got to rip the whole notebook, you know, page out of the notebook and start again. Mm-hmm. But note cards, you can just write a, another one, you know, throw it away. And if you lose your joke book, that's like, you know, maybe a thousand jokes that you lose just, it's all in one basket. Mm-hmm. If I lose a note card, you know, Maybe I maybe I lose that joke forever, but probably I don't. And I don't think I've ever lost a note card. I've seen you throw some. I throw them, but <laughs> I know which ones I throw. <laughs> like after a joke that doesn't work, I'll throw it, and I'll be like, "I'm gonna need that back after my set." <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever uh, give give them away, like autograph them? No, I, I don't think I have. But that would be that would be good merch, actually. After a show, right? I'll yeah. be selling. I'll give you my note cards after the show. At the show. At the show. I need to write that down. Well, maybe I'll listen, uh, I'll listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know, my favorite part about the note card thing is that you don't have to worry about memorizing shit, you know? And that's a big fear for me, is getting up on stage and blanking out. Forget completely? Yes. I, I was yeah. waiting at the East Room to go up, just open mic, and Tanner Newcomb, sweet boy, I looked at him and he's like, what's wrong, Carl? I was like, I forgot what I was going to say. He... Leaned in and said, fucking forget all of it. And then they called my name. Oh, shit. And I blanked out, and I had one of the better sets that I've ever done. So, like, <laughs> right before I go on stage to this day, That's I kind of forget everything. I've had a couple of dreams since the lockdown. It's happened to me two times. I've had this dream where I'm doing a show, and I, I'm, like, I've got my note cards, I guess, but it's, like, my first joke, and... Whatever's written on my note card is not enough for me. Like, I can't really comprehend, and it doesn't, like, s- trigger me to to know how to start the joke, and I can't remember the joke. Mm-hmm. And then I just start cussing at the audience, and I'm like, you guys suck. Yeah, bleepity bleep. <laughs> this is all your fault. Yeah, but, yeah I do. I, like, just blame the audience. And it's like, it's a it's not a fun dream. Pat, another reason I got you on this, this thing, man, is because you do... You also do music, right? Yeah. Like, I know you play guitar. Uh, yeah. I just found out earlier today that you play piano. I can play a little. Right? Yeah. You just slaughtered my drums downstairs. Yeah, I'm bad but, at the drums. Oh, my God. Not too good. But no. you can still hold a pair of sticks. Yeah. Uh, for you, man, like, when did music uh, come into your life? Uh, as I was a young boy and my... Daddy would rock me on his knee and sing lullabies. Back in the 1920s. <laughs> it was in the 1920s. Uh, 
uh, my mom, we had a piano in my house. My mom was a music major in college. Oh, okay. Yeah, me and too. And piano was her instrument. But she didn't play it much when we were growing up. She would play it like to get us up in the morning. She would play, it's time to get up in the morning. Or, what is that? That's some military get up. Right, right, the trumpet bugle. Yeah. Uh, and we, whenever we heard her playing, I mean, it was bad because we, we'd be like watching TV and be like, mom, stop it. We're watching TV or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that wasn't good. You know, we didn't, we, we discouraged music from being in the house at a young age, <laughs> but my mom taught me and when I was like 18 in high school, she taught me triads on the piano, yeah. like the simple chords. And, uh, I just kind of started messing around and. I kind of got hooked and I think that's a good way to teach people how to play the piano because it's like you can start making songs like immediately if you just learn the simple triads mm-hmm. like that song Lean On Me is just the triads walked up from C to F and down to C mm-hmm. so you're just playing around with triads and discovering that, oh this yeah. is this, this is this song yeah a triad is like the keyboard is like A, B, C, D, E, F, G and the triad would be like C skip one E skip one G so that's a triad, C E G. That's the C chord. See that, folks? This is an educational podcast, yeah. too. See, we're not going over your head at all. It shouldn't. That seems pretty simple. Yeah. Triad. Yeah. Triad's a weird sounding word. That might, it might sound too complicated. If you play them together, it's called a chord. Yeah. A chord is music, riveting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, all right, so you started messing around with piano. Yeah, I started messing around with piano, and but the first thing I got was a harmonica, actually. And no I, way. I had like one harmonica, the like C harmonica or something, and I would try to play every song on that harmonica. It sounded okay to me, I guess, mm-hmm. because I was the one making the bad noises, but joyful it, noise. It couldn't have sound good. What? It's a joyful noise. A joyful noise, yeah. <laughs> but I tried to play like songs that were in B with the C harp, and it's just like that ain't that didn't sound good. Stop doing that. Well, you just you're just discovering. Yeah, you know. I would put my my headphones on in my room and and listen to music and play the harmonica, and all my parents downstairs could hear was just awful sound. So I had to go up to the attic to do that. But I would do play the harmonica while I was driving and stuff, and you know, this is a good place to practice the harmonica while in you're car. driving. Yeah, huh. hands free Tennessee, baby. Get one of those harmonica necklaces. And there you go. Yeah, Bob Dylan style. Yeah. yeah there was an album, uh, John Mayall. Yeah. And John Mayall and the, the Blues Breakers. And they had an album called Jazz Blues Fusion. And then they had he had another live album that I listened to a lot. And he played the harmonica, arguably poorly. So it was a good... <laughs> Good guy, you know. I was like, this guy, it's not that hard. Gave you affirmation that you this know, guy sounds bad. Me. I sounded bad too. I, I believe just as bad. Yeah, he's okay. So when did a uh, guitar come around, man? That was uh, probably around the same time, maybe a little bit after the piano. I got a guitar, and I think it was this guitar. I've had this guitar for a long time. I broke the neck, and I Elmer's glued it back together. Wow. Yeah. You got that, all these. That was like ten years ago. And you, you've got like positions already like carved into. Yeah, dude. When I was, uh, I carved in like F B F sharp or F B flat F sharp B, uh, and I carved it up so I would know like what chords I was making, like the bar chords. Mm-hmm. But now I don't need that, man. 
I totally know the bar chords. You smart. Hell yeah. He's smart. <laughs> so did you, same thing. You discovered it on your own. You didn't take lessons or no at any point. No. Uh, I can tell, man. <laughs> I got a chord book and I just like learned chords. Uh, I minored in music in college, and the piano was my instrument. And like I told them what I was trying to get out of the music minor, and they mm-hmm. they didn't make me like learn to read Bach and stuff like that. Uh, and I had a piano teacher who knew how to play like boogie blues stuff. Oh, great! And he taught me some like runs, like some like diddly 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 do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you can just go diddly diddly. That sounds cool. Right. But he made it fun for you because you weren't a major, you were a minor. So he just found a way to do it. Like when I majored in music in college, I had to go through the whole, you know, classical, classically trained program. It's just not fun. And all I wanted to do was play drum set, you know. And uh, after like three and a half years, close to four years of classical study, it started getting fun for me because then we would break out the drum set lessons. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that was a, long four years you know but i'm thankful now in retrospect that i can read music i can play yeah. you know marimba and timpani and triangle you know Dude. pretty well hell yeah hell of a triangle player you know hell yeah especially when supper's ready you know <laughs> in the 1920s <laughs> see that's called a callback folks <laughs> so, so pat we got we got a little bit about your comedy a little bit about your music at what point did those come together for you at what point did you say, you know what, I'm going to incorporate this guitar into my act? I used to write really serious songs in college, and like, they weren't good, you know, reflecting back on it. It was like trying to be too sophisticated, and like you need a thesaurus and a dictionary to understand the multiple meanings of the words that I'm putting in the lyrics. And it's just not good. They weren't. And nothing like really came together. The ideas never really were fully formed. Uh, and then I started. I don't. I don't know when I started writing my first. I moved to Nashville ten years ago, and I was doing like writers' nights and open mic nights and stuff. And uh, I would do s- songs that were not quite as serious, I guess. And I wrote a song called "The Hungry Boy," uh, and about like eating food, but it was really like sexual innuendo stuff. Mm. I think that was really one of the first silly songs I ever wrote. And it just came, like, organically, I guess. I don't remember how I wrote it. I, maybe I was trying to write a funny song. Hmm. But so I didn't know that you started playing music seriously before, in, in Nashville, like, three years before you started doing comedy, you know? Yeah. You know, that's why I moved here 15 years ago, you know, was to be a drummer, you know? Yeah. And I didn't start comedy until two years ago. Yeah. And then once I started doing that, I was like, oh, wow. It's what I always wanted to do. Yeah. You know? But uh, it'd be awesome to be be able to make a living playing the music that you enjoy playing. You know. Right. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. I guess that's what they call that the dream. That would be the dream. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, was it a conscious decision when you started doing comedy? It's like I'm going to write this silly song and I'm going to play it on stage at. You know, I was open, doing blues jams. Comedy open mic. Uh, I was doing blues jams where I, you know, you sign up on the list and they put together like a random band, bass player, two guitarists, drummer, uh, and you like play three or four songs. And I would be leading the band doing that. And I was doing like 
Howlin' Wolf color covers and you know dimples in your jaw, John Lee Hooker and stuff like that. And then uh, I would do the Hungry Boy song, and and that people seem to like it. Old old ladies seem to like it. <laughs> Were they laughing? Were they just no? They're I mean I guess. The, the songs weren't like funny enough to do at an I've tried them at stand up open mics they're not funny enough for that because uh, you have to be like every line almost has to be a laugh line in a song if you're doing it in a comedy setting mm. you know so it's got to be but if you're if you got a band and you know great players you know you can throw in kind of a fun line every 30 seconds and that's you know, that's a funny song. Right. And that's what they used to do. Like, you know, entertainers used to do that in, like, old country music, you know, and, like, mm-hmm. uh, very entertaining, you know, like, joking all the time and mm-hmm. throwing one-liners and stuff like that. So that's interesting to have that Nashville tradition, yeah. you know. Well, son, I think it's about time to pick up that guitar, show the world. You want me to play this? Yeah, I think so. Folks, if we actually want to hear this, I, I don't know. I'm going to play you the fart song. I love the fart song. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it, but it's about farts. Do you? What's the history of the fart song? I wrote this with the legendary Brad Edwards Prendergast. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. He helped me. He helped me. He like he wrote like the chorus and maybe the first couple verses, and then I was just like, you know, I took it from there. You know what I'm saying? My people can't see it, but my man. Pulled out his phone because he can't remember lyrics to his own song. Hence my theory on memorization. <laughs> I, give, I don't give a shit. I don't. There's nothing funny about like rote memorization. If you're telling a story, it's good to know what you're talking about. You don't want to be reading it. But if it's a joke, you know you you know. And I and I memorize the jokes. But if I'm at an open mic doing new jokes, then you know if if I'm I I'll give you the note card and you read it. You know, tell me if it's funny. You know. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't change how funny it is, just if you... Why is he reading that? <laughs> What's he reading? I don't give a shit. But I also haven't performed this in five months, so... Perfect. Live on the Badum Team, ladies and gentlemen, it's Patrick Devine. This is a song called What Do the Animals Do at the Zoo? What do the animals do at the zoo? Animals fart just like me and you. Sometimes they eat, sometimes they drink, but sure as shoot, their toots all stink. You know what I'm talking about. Carl knows what I'm talking about. When a kangaroo farts, he goes boing. When a hippo farts, it goes bubble, bubble, bubble. When a parrot farts, it goes bubble, bubble, bubble. Because they keep the parrot cages relatively close to the hippo ponds. You know what I'm talking about. We've all been to the zoo. Why do they keep them so close to each other? Parrots are just gonna sit. All right. When a snake farts, it goes. When a zookeeper farts, it goes fart, cause he's just a guy like you and I. (laughs) 
That's the lick. That's the lick right there. When a hyena farts, it goes fart. Then he laughs a whole lot with his friends. Cause you and I know that hyenas know how to have a good time. Am I right? Am I, am I right? When a monkey farts, it farts into its hand and waits for you to turn around and throws the fart at the back of your head. I got distracted. Whoops. When a tarantula farts, it bites you on the hand and farts into your blood. true. I had the lick again. When a turtle farts and you can't hear it very well, cause it retreats back into its shell and farts in its shell cause turtles like the smells of their farts. I learned about that on History Channel. The history of turtles. <laughs> When a beaver farts, it's a little bit embarrassing, but also kind of cute. And by beaver, I mean an actual beaver. And by that, I mean vagina. What do the animals do at the zoo? Animals fart just like me and you. When a sloth farts, it causes global warming. Or at least that's what the liberal media would have you believe, those lying bastards, son of a bitches. JK, everybody, JK. Ha <laughs> ha, hashtag JK. Just JK. When a sloth farts, it doesn't fart like you or me. Actually, its digestive process functions so slowly that it has to reabsorb its intestinal gases into its bloodstream, then respires them to its lungs with its dank ass doo doo breath. Thank you, thank you. That took a lot, to, that was hard to memorize. Thank you. Oh, yes, thank you. When a manatee farts, it gets hit in the head with the propeller of a boat. Arguably the saddest fart in the animal kingdom. <laughs> when, a, uh, when a unicorn farts, it doesn't fart because it doesn't exist because magic isn't real and God is dead. That's right, kids. What do the animals do at the zoo? Animals fart just like me and you. All right, everybody all together. We know, we know the words now. Everybody sing together. What do the animals do at the zoo? Animals fart just like me and you. Oh, thank you, kids. Thank you. That's, thank you. I don't know why I did it with that stupid voice, but I did it. Patrick, I got to say. I hope that wasn't too loud. That was awful. You bombed. <laughs> you bombed. You had one job, and you bombed on my show. <laughs> oh, no. 
I'm just kidding. I hope my voice is being picked up. You might have to do a lot of editing because <laughs> it looks like your voice is much louder than my voice. Oh, good. Well, you're, you know, in the other room, so. We can go pretend that this conversation never happened and oh, do it again. I love it. You even got new lyrics on that. I dig that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I heard that song a few times. Well, dude, I know you've been writing a lot of jokes, secluded at your house, but you've also been putting out content. A lot of online content, man. Tell us yeah. about that a little bit. Every morning, I tell a joke to my cat. I put my cat on my knee. I get dressed up in a, a white linen suit and put on <laughs> like a jackass. And then put on uh, a collared shirt and in front of like a fun backdrop. I have to set up all these lights. And then my cat doesn't like to be on my knee and listen to the jokes. So... <laughs> She like she takes off in the middle of the jokes most of the time, but it's usually a pretty good timing. Cause it I'll, is good timing, yeah. I'll like tell the joke, and then she's like, "All right, that's enough," and she'll leave, and then I'll act offended that she because the jokes I, I'm telling are bad jokes. I've taken like I have my jokes in note cards and like a C minus stack of note cards, and I've been telling jokes out of the C minus stack. <laughs> <laughs> tell them what you call it, man. Uh, oh. Bombing with Patrick and the Catrick. The Catrick. Yeah. My Instagram is at Patrick Divine Comedy. Thank you for telling that. Where else can they find you online, man? Facebook, at Patrick Divine Comedy. And if you're only on Twitter, it's at Pat Divine Comedy. Because Patrick Divine Comedy is too long. Can you believe that? Really? Yeah. It sounds exhausting. Yeah, I think I could have been Patrick Divine Comedy. You know, but <laughs> I went shorter. Well, dude, yeah. I think our time is winding down. Why? Because I want this podcast to be listenable. Oh, it's we've already done 30 minutes. Yes. Damn. Well, we should start stop at 30 minutes. Oh, so we... Well, I can't because I have one more little ditty I want to tell oh, okay. you. Um, yeah. That... Uh, we'll talk about our... You got 30 seconds. You gave me my first comedy road trip back in January, pre-COVID. And yeah. it was so much fun. Um, we partied, you know. And then... You he recorded did. that clip for me, and I used that clip, and I got on to the local Yazoo night at Zany's from that clip, and then COVID happened, and that went away. So yeah. that's a sad end to the story, but yeah. we did have Popeye's chicken sandwich that night, our first Popeye's chicken sandwich. Uh, yeah. You better hurry up. I have five seconds. It was good. It was good. Okay. Bye. <laughs> That's it, guys. Episode two. It's in the bag. Thanks for listening, man. Episode three is on its way. Be sure to follow The Dumb Ching with Carl on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please be sure to subscribe. Click that like. Click that five stars if you feel five-star worthy. All right, man. We're going to leave you with one song. This is Patrick Devine. This one he likes to call Russian Blues. So take it away, Patrick. Taking me to the river Throwing me off of the bank Taking me to the river Throwing me from off of the bank
much at the river But it is very smelly and dank Taking me to the ocean Learning myself how to not drown Taking me to the ocean Where the wetness is all around Taking me to the ocean The river empties into the ocean me to the desert where the wetness never does take place taking me to the desert where the wetness never does take place to the desert I do not care for the wetness